My name is Elizabeth Lewis, and I'm the owner and CEO of Detroit Mom. As a teen mom, I know firsthand the feeling of isolation and the fears that come at different stages of motherhood. I spent half the time wondering where to find community and the other half dreaming of a way to create that community for myself and the women around me. No mother should experience change and challenges alone. I created this community and podcast to make sure women in my community are never alone. Welcome to the Unfiltered Mom Podcast. The intention of this podcast is to make sure you have a voice and your story is being heard. Hey friends, this episode was recorded before the COVID crisis and the opinions expressed do not represent the current climate of the country. Make sure you stay tuned for more current episodes. Welcome to the Unfiltered Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Lewis, owner of Detroit Mom. Today we are talking about side hustles. So it could be either you're a stay-at-home mom, you're forced to be a stay-at-home mom, and now you have something for yourself. Maybe you're still in corporate and you have a side hustle. Maybe your husband has a really good job and you don't have to work, but just sick of those stay-at-home mom life because your kids are all in school. Yes. And you can't drink another mimosa. So I'm super excited to have with us, we have Kristen. So our usual cast, Kristen, Scarlett, Jasmine, and then we have a special guest, Hannah, with us. And she owns Hummus Goodness, which is so stinking good. I'm going to let you introduce yourself, kind of tell us your journey with starting with your side hustle and why you started it. You know, I don't think anyone's out here going to be like, oh, girl, really? But (laughs) I think it's important to say, like, just because you are, you have the ability to stay home because your husband has a good job doesn't mean you don't want to work. Yes. All right. All right. Well, I am Hannah, and I'm the owner of Hummus Goodness. We make fresh hummus every week, and I really love what I do, and that's really why I do it. Even if I don't have to go out and work, it's why I choose to do it. Hummus Goodness started a long time ago, about almost well, two years ago, when I lived overseas for my husband's job. Uh, we moved several times uh, to Germany, then back to Toledo, where we're originally from, then we moved to London, and then to China, which is where the hummus started. But before then, I do have three kids, and so they keep me on my toes, and they kept me very busy until they all went to school. And living in China, I really couldn't have a job, and I couldn't work. So I did some substitute teaching to stay busy, because, you know, you can only do so many, you know, pedicures and hanging out with your friends before that, you know, it gets, it gets really old. And so I substitute taught for a while. And then one day I went to a going away party and I took some hummus with me. And one of the gals there was like, oh my gosh, uh, we need more hummus. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, I'll give you the recipe. And she's like, no, 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 no. Just make it for us and we'll buy it off you. And I'm like, that's weird. Like you're my friends. No. But Hummus was not easy to come by in China. There was very little of it. I think you can get it in a couple places, but it wasn't easily accessible. And so, and it was hard to find the tahini and all the chickpeas and all that stuff. But I told her, well, I will try. I'll make you guys some hummus and you can just have it. And she's like, no, 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 we're going to, we're going to buy it off of you. So that's kind of how it began. It began on a whim. It wasn't supposed to happen. It was called Hummus House because my friend came over one day and he's like, hey, is Hummus House open for business? as a joke, and it kind of turned into a business, I guess. So in China is where it all started, in Shanghai, and I worked out of my kitchen. We made fresh hummus every week, me and my friends. We sold it to friends and people that we knew. It was a lot of fun because it was only on like twice a week we made the stuff, and we weren't very busy, and 
you know, it was something to do. And we made three flavors every week. We sold it to people that we knew. It was supposed to be my husband, who is a businessman, is like, well, what's your goal here, honey? I'm like, all right, <sighs> businessman. My goal is 50 containers a week. He's like, okay, can you do 50 a week? I'm like, I can get to 50 a week. I'm sure I can. The first week I did 65. Which was, oh I was like, gosh. all right, this is pretty so cool. you're already beating your goal. Already beating my Yeah, week one. And so last week that I was doing the hummus, I did 450 containers that week. Oh, my. And that was nine months after I started the business. When I started the business, I told my, I asked my husband, I go, are we here for like three or four more years? He's like, yes, we are here for three or four more years. He just took over as head of Asia. We're done. We're staying here. That was in September, in early August, and in November first, he moved to the U.S. for a new job, oh and my left me behind in China with three kids and a business by my choice. I had, I was like, no, I just started this business, and I don't want to leave, and I want to stay here, and I love my life. And so he moved to the U.S. and he'd come back and forth to see us on vacations and trips and stuff like that. But I continued the business even though he was gone. Wow, for nine I months. Know. Oh my oh gosh! My gosh. And in I, China, in China. <laughs> Did you speak the language? No. Okay. A little bit. Like, I can say, like, <laughs> things like, come quickly to the drivers that were picking up the hummus, like the Uber guys, and be careful, and I'm sorry I'm late, and I am so silly kind the of stuff. The important stuff. The important stuff. <laughs> yeah. And so I will say the best compliment I got from my husband who came back for one of his, hey, how's my family doing trips? It was on, a, like, a Thursday when we made the hummus, and he's like, he looks around the kitchen, he's like, what is going on in here? And I'm like, what's going on? He's like... When I left, like, a couple months ago, like, this wasn't happening. Like, it wasn't this big. I'm like, it's a big operation now. And so the best thing I heard from him was, had I known how successful you were going to be, maybe we would not have left. And I'm like, well, that's, <laughs> oh that means God. a lot coming from him. Yeah. So I'm the person who, like, I'm, I'm going to sell Avon. I'm going to do this. And it never actually transpired. So he was shocked when he went he – was, he was gone for, like, six weeks and came back and was like, oh, my gosh, you have a business going on. This is amazing. But all good things come to an end when you're a trailing spouse. So I passed the business on to a friend. She took it over, did a fabulous job, and I moved to the U.S. with him. So you can still get hummus in China. You can st- If you are in Shanghai at the today, hummus house. at the hummus house, it's still available, <laughs> still on Thursdays, and pretty similar recipe. I think they've made some modifications and tweaks for – but. Same same stuff. That's really cool, yeah. though. That's such a great story. Yes. And then here you employ women who are in similar situations yep. as you. Women who are stay-at-home moms. And so when I came back from China, when I moved, sorry, when I moved to Michigan from China, because I'm not originally from here, I'm from Toledo, I had no intention of starting the business. But an amazing neighbor and some really, really good friends were like, you really should start again. Your hummus is really good. It's different than what you get in the stores. But, you know, hummus here in Michigan is very saturated. And, again, my husband is like, what's your goal here, honey? Like, what's the plan here? And so – Were you like 450? I'm like, I'm like 400. I'm like 50 is the goal. <laughs> We're going to go back down to 50 again and work our way up to 450. And so the goal was to – I was I had no intention of restarting it here, honestly. But, you know, Denise, Patricia, a bunch of awesome, amazing ladies, Allison, Jen, I could probably go on for a little while. Um, we're like, come on, just start it again and see where it goes. So, again, my um, backstory with my husband is that he does travel like nine days a week for the longest time. He does a lot of traveling for his job. And so he's gone all this week. He's here next week, which is a pretty big deal. But he does a lot of traveling. And so I can't rely on him to get the kids from school or drive them back and forth. So I had to be very 
mindful when I was starting the business that it's not going to interfere with being a mom still because I don't have family here to pick up my kids from school or to, you know, if my daughter is sick from, you know, who's going to pick her up? Denise, thank you. Um, <laughs> you know, things like that. You know, that's a huge issue for me. And so when I decide to start, I'm like, we're going to start really small, not overwhelm ourselves, myself and whoever can help me out at the moment. And so that's kind of how it started. And I uh, started back in May of last year. And it was very small initially, just selling B to C, you know, people that I knew and word of mouth kind of stuff. But after a little while, people were like, well, let's get in the stores instead. It'll be easier to get it in the stores. So I said, okay, which meant I had to find people to help me. And that is where I found a lot of amazing women who are kind of like in my shoe, where they're fortunate that they don't necessarily have to go to work, whether it's because of their husband's jobs or because they don't have anybody to watch their kids or they can't balance that work life with going to a nine to five every day and having kids in school, especially in the summertime or when it's snowing or when your kids got the flu. So I found amazing women to come and help me. I love that. And and it makes a difference, right? Like it. And so how many, I, I need to know this, how many things of hummus are you doing a week now? This week? Yeah. 868. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. That is so incredible. Yeah, and I you. think that there is something to be said in that too, like in anybody's, because I think people think, oh, well, there's so many people doing this hummus, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, but look, you've created a business and there's all of these other people that yes. are doing this. So I think that that goes back to, and I'll, everyone else tell their story, but kind of like if you have something you're really good at, and you love to do, to start it regardless, yes. because it doesn't matter how many other people are doing it. Nobody yeah. else is making your hummus. That's good. Yes. Nobody else is you. Exactly. So it's one of those things that I think is pretty incredible. It's a, thank you for sharing that. You're very welcome. Scarlett, do you want to tell us about your journey? Yeah. And I would love to just piggyback off on that idea that, hey, something might be oversaturated. Because Hannah, you make hummus. You came to like the land of Mediterranean yes. food. Right? <laughs> and, yes. and it's like, well, will there still be a demand for my product? And for me, I'm in the same boat. I am a mom vlogger and we are a dime a dozen. <laughs> I mean, that is what I, I mean, I don't know very many stay-at-home moms who don't dabble in some form yes. of Instagramming, blogging, Pinteresting type of scene. It, that is just what being a stay-at-home mom has kind of transformed into in the last 10, 15 years. So yeah, about four years ago, I started writing with my best friend. We started a blog. It's now called I'm That Wife. And it's interesting because up until the point where I, when I had, until I had a child, I wasn't writing which is bizarre to me I know but it's like I've I've now realized that it took the pressure of having a kid and then having two more kids to realize I only have this very finite amount of time and I work very well under pressure you know I wasn't just going to do it when I had when I was single or when I had my days to myself it was like okay you have um an hour a day if you're lucky and you are borrowing time you're borrowing time from your sleep you are taking it from your spouse you're taking it from your kids and so if you're going to do it you better do it well and you better be really serious about it so and it wasn't until I had my twins when I decided to just commit to writing and I produced the year I had my twins in 2018, I wrote over 100 original pieces of work. Oh, wow. wow. So 
and I'm and I, the only reason why I did that much was because you were living the content. I was, <laughs> I was I was living it. I had so much to write about, but also I was so isolated in my home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I wasn't writing, I would have had nothing. I was not leaving my house. So a lot of people are like, well, how do you make time? You make time because your sanity depends on it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, I love that. You have, yes. you have to. If I wouldn't have, like, writing, I always talk about the sacrifice. A lot of people can tell you that you can have it all. And you can't have it all. There is no CEO, female CEO. There is no Chrissy Teigen. There is no cookbook author, <laughs> who, who Kristen over here, who isn't sacrificing. And I don't mean that to be discouraging. I just mean that I just say that because some sacrifices are worth it. So yes, sometimes I sacrifice time with my kids, but I do that because it makes me a better mom. It makes me a better wife. And sometimes you have to do that. For a long time, I was really scared to dive into my writing because I knew that it would mean like you know, I might lose an hour of TV time with my husband or I might lose you know, I might, uh, my kids might gain an hour of TV time <laughs> because I was writing. And I just kind of decided that my own sanity was worth it and I had to do it. So. I so love that. In that one year, so I just want to tell you, numbers don't mean anything. I don't want to talk about followers because followers don't mean that you're successful. Um, but me, in terms of my writing, that does reflect my growth for me. Be, so in the first three years, me and my best friend, our blog had under 10,000 people for three years. I mean, we probably had under 5,000 people followers for most of those three years. And in the last year, this is why I always tell women to be consistent with whatever they're doing. We committed to a schedule. We were consistent, just like Hannah, you make hummus, you know, on your days of the week and you, you go and you make your hummus. We write four days a week and we were able to build our following to over combined 140,000 people. Wow. That's incredible. Scarlett. That's wonderful, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not I'm not saying like, "Oh, I have 140,000 followers. I'm successful." It's just simply a testament to for 3 years we did things very inconsistently. And when people ask me what my secret is, it's very boring. There is no secret. You just keep doing what you're doing. So, yeah. That's so true. That's my story. I I love that story. That's awesome. Kristen, do you want to indulge us in yours? Um, yeah. So I was in marketing and did the normal corporate thing for a really long time, but always kind of side hustling. I did a lot of social media management, built websites on the side. But it wasn't until I got pregnant with my first daughter very rough pregnancy, suffered with uh, hyperemis gravidum, continued to work though, which was shocking, and worked up until about a, w- a week or two before my daughter was actually born. And then I finally was like, okay, I can't, I literally can't physically do this. At the time, my company was very understanding. So I did a lot of work from home and stuff. So it, they were pretty easy with me. But while I was on maternity leave, they sold their company to somebody else. Oh, wow. And when I came back, I was not welcomed with open arms, you know. And I got pregnant again and knew that I was in for the same thing. And I knew that the the company was not going to be as flexible this time around. 
So I became a stay-at-home mom. And my hyperemesis with my second daughter was 10 times worse than it was with the first daughter. So even if I wanted to work, it was impossible. So I started writing cookbooks while I was on bed rest, basically. And now it is getting published, and we'll see that in the spring. But it's been a labor of love, and it's been a business that came out of nowhere. But with it, I also started podcasting and just doing different things that people normally think of as a hobby. Like these are like everybody's like, oh, how cute you have like hobbies. Oh well, my gosh, I hate that. <laughs> yeah, yes. like oh, you have a hobby, and but. I, like un, like to myself, I didn't even realize what I was doing. I was building a business and had no idea. And I think that's a lot of women, right? Yeah. Here. And it, it, it really did start out as a hobby. So let me be honest. It really was a hobby that literally I was fortunate that enough women were seeing something in me that I didn't really see in myself. Mm-hmm, and through that, a lot of opportunities were given to me through Robin at Motor City Women and Elizabeth with Detroit Mom and different other communities within Detroit that kind of were like, hey, you have a knack for this, so you should just do it. And I was kind of like, okay, I want to have more children. I know that I'm going to have to make space to be able to do that, and that's not going to work in the corporate world. So when it was time to go back to work after Stella was born, it was like, okay, do I take this podcast business and this cookbook and go full, like full in, or do I go get a regular job? And either way, I was going to have to make money because as much as we could live off of my husband alone, we weren't going to get to do all the things we want to do if we did that. So I had to go to work, but I had to make that decision with, something that was going to still work for my lifestyle with my daughters and the possibility of having more children. And that's how my podcast business grew. That's how the cookbook grew. And now I'm kind of like a like a lifestyle brand. I don't even know what you would call me anymore. But You will morph into exactly yeah. what you need to do. Yeah, exactly. So that's where we're at. Oh, I like that. You like that? Ooh. Hey, it's the entrepreneur in us. Um, <laughs> Jasmine, so yes. give us a rundown on you want to chase your dreams, mm-hmm. but what's holding you back? So my background story, I did the traditional corporate. I worked actually nonprofit for seven years, switched to corporate for more money, found out I was pregnant, and changed everything like in a very dramatic, drastic way, like quit my job, knew that I wanted to be home more. I didn't want anyone else raising my son. And I noticed that I was changing as I was becoming a different person with my schedule that I had in corporate. So I would work long hours, come home, the traditional put your son or child in the bed for an hour. I would see him always rushing. For a year, I commuted from Farmington Hills to Ann Arbor. So that was difficult, but I still had support. So I felt like, you know, I'm good. He's not with strangers, but he still wasn't with me. So I think in my mind, I just said, okay, well, I need to make some changes. I left my position and within two weeks had a better paying position that demanded more of me in the corporate sector. And I just was not the same person. I was volunteering all the time, trying to connect with other nonprofits and trying to be two different people at once. So I wanted to still be connected to 
serving and helping and all that good stuff, but I still wanted my corporate check. And I noticed there was an imbalance because I wanted to do the nonprofit stuff more than my corporate stuff. And after a while, I just, I felt like I needed to make a shift and I do things pretty drastic. Like when I make a decision, I'm like, all right, then I'm out. Like that was kind of the decision-making process for me. So I looked at just everything. I'm a holistic person now. I looked at everything from the aspect of mentally where I, a check-in, where my son, you know, was developmentally and what he needed from me and how that was shifting, what my parents needed from me. It just all kind of shifted at the same time. And during that process, I just realized that I wanted to step into the side hustle entrepreneur life, but I wasn't quite sure what that looked like. I wanted to be in a positive space. I wanted to be around other people that believed in that lifestyle. So I did the traditional millennial thing of just leaping into all the networking events, all the different women empowerment movements and connections and where you take pictures and you show up to all this stuff and you gain followers. And I have a very positive melanin positive brand for women of color that I built mahogany hope on Instagram. And I just wanted to expand that, but I wasn't quite sure where and how. So I found myself in this sweet spot of working for a nonprofit currently, but not giving up some of my non-negotiables. So I have a flexible schedule. I'm able to do the things that I need to do for my son. I have a stream of steady income, but I was able through that role to figure out other ways and other gifts that I have in serving that really lit me as a person, but still allowed me to be creative to figure out other means. So throughout that whole process, I know for me, I can't go back to a traditional corporate lifestyle. I'm a different mom. I'm a different person when I'm in that space. And it just doesn't sit right with me on any level. So figuring out how to do that, where I'm not spreading myself now on the opposite side of networking events, working for someone with their own stream, creating your own brand. Now I feel like I have made a separate sacrifice. It's just in a different realm. My space, my time, my energy is now divided amongst so many different areas that I'm just in this space of I've dabbled, I've tried. I understand now what works for me. I've seen people who have been able to do exactly what I want to do. Hearing someone say, like, I don't have to work, that sounds like the pinnacle of where you want to be and what you want to do. But even that comes with sacrifices, right? Hearing stories today. So really, it's just trading what sacrifice is worth it for me. And I feel like I'm sacrificing too much of my energy without getting the return. So my purpose is really in just trying to lock down the exact path that I want to take and go really, really hard for six months instead of what I've been doing, which has been a slow, consistent, steady pace over years of being able to say, okay, I see some movement, but I still haven't met the mark where I've met that goal, where I feel like, yes, this is where I want to be. I like this flow and now I can just maintain it. And I think that hearing other people's stories, being in an environment where other women are encouraging of that, and just being open to figuring out what that could look like for me is what brought me here today and why I feel like anyone can, anyone can do it at any pace and it's fine. But for me, I'm ready to see a return. Like 2020 is going to be that year where there's a shift for me. Well, I think that's the thing. So many women have something they're going to – I truly believe that we all have something, some gift that we can put out there, but it's the sacrifice part. Like yeah. are you willing – 
to give that part up. Like when I left corporate, my husband worked three jobs. We sacrificed a lot. We weren't traveling like we used to. The money wasn't there. Mm -hmm. That was a hard adjustment. But I knew in my heart that I didn't want to work on somebody else's terms. I wanted to work for myself and I wanted to support my family. And I knew that it wasn't going to happen right away. And it's still four years. It's still trying. And it's not an easy thing. But I was willing to sacrifice a lot of things. But I will tell you, in the midst of that, I lost both parents. I wouldn't have been able to care for them. Or I don't know how people go back to work after a place allows you five days of grievance to yeah. grieve a parent. Mm -hmm. And so for me, looking back, I'm like, wow, I, how I've never would have served. I've never would have been able to do that. Or, you know, when women go through miscarriages and stuff like that, like the grievance process, have the, nobody has grievance process for a miscarriage, right? You can't go into your boss and say, I had a miscarriage. Now I'm going to take five days off. Although I did, I did learn the riveter, Amy Nelson. She actually has a five day grievance That's process. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. Awesome. Um, so I think there's so many components to it, but like anybody, I bet you if we polled our, our listeners right now, like how many of them want to start a business or, you know, like, are you on this like autopilot? Like, but I think that's where there's a misconception that this all came easy. Exactly. You know? I think a lot of it, I don't know if to speak to coming easy is, I don't know about you guys. I'm always really, I don't talk about my side hustle. Like mm -hmm. for me, it's a very, like you, I'm not never going to be like, this is what I do. It, being a stay-at-home mom to me has just kind of ingrained in me, like, that's my identity. And oh, it's like, yeah, if I sold Avon or if I sold – it just seems very – I don't know how to describe it. Like, not that I'm not proud of it, but it, because I'm a stay-at-home mom, it doesn't seem, quote, unquote, real. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. it doesn't seem legitimate. And I think – That's where the hobby part comes in. Right. You have yes. a cute hobby. Right, exactly. <laughs> so it never seems like you'll never hear me – if someone wants to talk about what I do or my writing, I'm just like, eh, blah, blah, blah. and then I'm like, okay, let's talk about you. <laughs> but you're trying to start another. You are starting a business to help other writers. Yes. You're but even so, that would be – it always – maybe it's imposter syndrome for stay-at-home moms, and that's what we suffer from, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. Where it, yes. it always – whatever we're doing, to me, it feels second fiddle to I'm a stay-at-home mom. Yes. So I – it's so funny to me when I hear people do those comparisons because I – like – when I was in corporate, I thought I just wanted to be at home with my son. That's all that I wanted. I wanted to be able to stay at home. I wanted to be able to make money from my laptop. And that was it. Like, that was going to be the thing. And it's such bull. Like, mm -hmm. Oh, it's not as easy <laughs> I as am it just, sounds. Like, yeah. I am not stay-at-home mom material. I will tell you, I am... Flex mom, flexible schedule, work yes. from home, work from home yeah. but I still have certain days that I'm in the office where I can engage with other adult human beings. I can get away from these kids. Yes. Like I am, I need that ebb and flow in whatever I'm doing. So the ideal situation for me is not corporate and it's not stay at home. It's working from home and being able to have structure set days the in the office. Mm -hmm. To yeah. have the flexibility. That works for me. Because I got to tell you, like, the days that he's on spring break. <laughs> Yes. Or the days that, like, he's not feeling good, and I'm so thankful, do not get me wrong, that I can stay at home with him. But when he's better, I am like, yes. 
<laughs> yeah. like, back I to am school. ready for him to go because I'm like even days that he goes to school the time flies so fast when you're trying to do certain things from home like even working from home I'm like from this time to this time and I'm very structured and I look up and I'm like I feel like I just dropped him off at the bus stop and I got to go pick him up again and then it all shifts I'm no longer thinking about that stuff I'm only focused on him for the next x amount of hours so to me it's like that whole oh, you're just a stay-at-home mom and it's a hobby. I'm like, hats off to you. If that is something that you can do, I'm just Mm -hmm. not that girl. But I thought that was my goal when I was in corporate, just to be able to be at home and just be with him. And honestly, the more that he was at home, the more that I was like, what? Activities? Can we put him in? <laughs> I'm already his counting. Energy yeah, is I'm counting when my kids go to school. But I'm I like, think, when do they start? I think you see that in women that because there are many so so many side hustles, we're seeing that maybe women aren't necessarily. I, I know that there are, and I know some moms who really just really dig deep into being a stay at home mom. But that's why there are so many side hustles because not many women can just be at home and just fulfill those kind of domestic duties, I think, without without being completely – or we still need something to fulfill us. Yeah, yeah. we're multidimensional yeah. in every way. Like being just a mom, being just an employee, being just a worker for someone else, none of that is enough for me. Like there's so many different levels that I have to fulfill in order to feel like, okay, this is a good fit. Well, I but think like a lot of stay-at-home moms, this is like – they're making that space for motherhood and they're sacrificing their previous identity. At least that's how it was for me. Like I had to make the space for motherhood because one, I was sick. My company wasn't going to deal with me. Two, I knew I wanted to have more children. And not only is this company not going to deal with me, but who else is going to deal with me? And I did want to be home with my daughters. I felt like, okay, I'm going to make this decision. It is the best decision for me. And it wasn't until I brought my newborn home and now I was a being a stay-at-home mom of one child is a lot easier than being a stay-at-home that mom is of two children. Um, and so when I brought my second home and I was like, okay, let's get back into the routine. And it was impossible. You know, there is no routine anymore. No routine. There's no time to, you know. So for me, like, the side hustle was <laughs> you laughing? gaining my sanity back. Yes. You know, I agree with all this. Yeah. Just, like, people think it's so either like, oh, you yeah. stay home. I'm like, no. It is so hard. It's so hard. And like, I'm, Elizabeth, you and I talked about this. Like, I look back sometimes at when I had no kids and all the time I wasted. Yes. And I'm like, <laughs> yes. what the uh-huh. things that I could have accomplished, you know, if I would have known, <laughs> if I would have known. Um, but for me, like developing the side hustle and I suffer from imposter syndrome majorly. So when people came to me and were like, we want you to produce our podcast, I was like, <laughs> I'm like, I know nothing. <laughs> like, why? Why do you really? want me? Or, yeah, oh, absolutely. And I still struggle with it today. But mm. I do notice that I am excited to go to work. Yes. And I'm excited to do these things that I'm passionate about. And I feel like if you are a stay-at-home mom listening to this right now and you feel like me, like, there is something that you are doing right now that you can monetize yes. and you just have to you just have to do it and you have to figure <laughs> out what it is yeah I think that sometimes they're like oh this is just normal yeah. stuff mm-hmm. right there's like you making hummus you're like oh I'm just making this for my friends yeah. maybe you make some really good monkey bread yes. I don't know <laughs> you just have to believe in yourself you yeah. Have yeah. To say you know what I can do it and like going back to your point about like being you know home alone 
when your kids are like three and four and five, I mean, you're not really home alone, but you kind of are. Mm-hmm. But when they're when you have all your kids at school, before you know it, I mean, you are really home alone. Yeah. Like yeah. there's, I mean, you can only go to the gym so many times and have coffee so many times and mop the downstairs so many times before you're like, I am more than this. Like there is more to my story. Mm-hmm. Like there's more that I want my daughters to know about me than just the, you know, stay at home mom. It's funny when we were living overseas before I started the hummus hustle. Um, <laughs> the hummus hustle. <laughs> the hummus I, like hustle. I was a blogger of food. I was a food blogger. And so I had this thing called Recipe Nomad and I because you couldn't find a lot of the ingredients in China mm-hmm. um, to make like, you know, and you'd miss certain things. You'd miss like Taco Bell Mexican pizza. I know. Yeah. And so I did a recipe for it and I put it on my blog and it was kind of like a fun thing. But going back to your point, there's no way that I am going to come from China to the U.S. and start a blog and be anywhere near successful. I mean, you guys have been doing it for so long and you guys are all so good at it and you devote so many hours to it. I think it's it's really amazing. But for me, I knew that I, I couldn't just do, I couldn't just stay at home. I needed to get out there and do something and form a community. And there's a lot of moms who just sit at home all day long and need something to do. And they're, you know, it's, you miss that. You miss that sense of community. Like back in, I guess, like yeah. the 50s and the 60s, moms would get together and they would do things. But now we're all, I feel like, so separated. Um, I think you found your podcast name too, the Hummus Hustle. <laughs> the Hummus Hustle. <laughs> but no, you make a good point, and I think you just saying that, like, I think our per, our assumption is women who stay at home. Yeah, they got it so easy. No, they're hot. They don't have oh, to yeah. work. They can go out and they can go shopping. They can meet with their girlfriends. Yes. But hearing you say that is like, but it gets old. Yeah. It's like kind of actually a little reassuring. It yeah. does get old, especially you when you're like, in school. Yeah. And you miss the community. So we were really fortunate in China. We all, I lived on a compound with lots of other expat women who were in my same shoes, who didn't have to work, and who actually we couldn't work. Like we couldn't get a, a right. you know, visa to work and those things. And so we were all in the same kind of boat. And so we all got together and we had book club and we'd go out for walks in the middle of the afternoon and do things together and you know you everybody knew everybody and there was a huge friendships you come back you know you come to Michigan and or wherever you wherever you call home and you go into your house and you close the door and honestly for a lot of us it's just the way it is um not growing up in Michigan not being part of the community in the very beginning you I felt very isolated when I first got here but just like for a fresh minute because I met some great neighbors and made friends right away and I was Found your community. I did. I found a community here. Otherwise, I would be in my house with my door closed and mopping the floors again. But, you know, I mean, that it's was... so crazy, just perception. Mm-hmm. Oh, you yeah. know what I'm saying? It is like, a perception. It's how like, people perceive that. Yes. She seems like she was very intentional, though. Like, you wanted to find community. I did. I, yeah, like I that, loved my community in China. I loved the girls I was friends with and the things that we got to do. And you come here and you, you try explaining people kind of like what your life was like there. Imagine living on campus in a dorm with a bunch of other like people in, the, in your same situation, in your same shoes. Um, so that was life in China was like that. Um, and so when I got back here, I was like, everybody just goes back home after, you know, they, they go to the bus stop and then they go back home and they close the door and that's, that's it. Nobody hangs out after the bus stop, you know, it was mm-hmm. kind of strange. And so part of what we're doing at Hummus Goodness is we are all stay-at-home moms who either have kids who are already graduated out of the house or oh our kids goodness. are in school full-time. Yeah, We run the gamut. Jen's That's got... That's so cool, though. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Jen's got like seven, eight-year-old kids, and then Denise has 
know, 27 year old boys. So it's the whole gamut of stay at home moms Mm -hmm. in different situations. But we've created like this community. So we get to, you know, we get, we make the hummus every week and we sit together and we have lunch. Um, For the longest time I was bringing lunch in every week, but now people are rotating and bringing in things. Today, Laura brought um, Indian food, which was nice. Oh, I Tomorrow, Jackie's making poke bowls. Oh, my us, which gosh. Is very exciting. <laughs> and so there's this whole, like, fun atmosphere. And we sit together and we talk about our husbands and our kids and what we're doing. And I want to join the It's just I know. fun. <laughs> it is, honestly, and it's, and, and it's fun. And there's flexibility. You know, if you're – we were talking about it just a couple of days ago, like – what if the kids are sick? Well, if your kids are sick, stay home with your kids. Like, we'll figure it out. Like, it's not a big deal. And that's the flexibility that everybody really wants to have. Yeah, it's so, so true. No, I think they they do need it. And I think mm-hmm. there's so much, obviously, we could go on about that. And the, and the whole goal of this podcast was kind of to say, like, if you have something you're good at, go out and do it. Yeah. There's nothing. Yeah. And it, I'm not saying go tomorrow and quit your job. Like, obviously, this is a large, like a huge conversation you need mm-hmm. to have with your husband, um, sacrifices, all that stuff. But innately, we're, there's something we're all good at, whether it's baking something, writing something, you know, mm-hmm. inspiring other women or empowering yeah. them or creating cookbooks. Um, I think that that there's something to be said in that. And and hopefully, so this will kind of be a continued series as well. We can empower you to like make the steps to go out and do it because it's not as complicated no. as it seems. And I think also kind of sharing like the hardships of it. It's not always like rainbows and butterflies as people mm-hmm. think it is to own your own business. Yeah. But Almost nightmares. Yeah. Well, right. Like, yes. but the pros <laughs> far outweigh the cons. Like if you sat back and you were like, I have the flexibility to be with my children if I choose or to take an extended vacation or do do different things like that, you'd probably say, man, the hummus disaster really wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like yeah. just stuff like that. Or, you know, I didn't make my writing deadline and, you know, there, which has it happened? You're pretty good about not no, doing I that. No, I I assumed. Yeah. And I think consistency, right? Like, no. I, I'm the opposite of Scarlett. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I think they're like, the, like you said, consistency. You consistently did X, Y, and Z. And I think like for myself, that's something I'm really focusing on now is I've closed my rings for 51 days on my iWatch. That is huge. Like it's non-negotiable at this point. So like mm-hmm. I need to focus like it just within my business in general is on not all the things, and I need to find a way to compartmentalize yes. and work because right now I just feel like a, like a duck running from doop, doop, or like yes. a darting squirrel from here to there yeah. because there are so many components to it, and then it's overwhelming, and th- this like obviously a whole nother discussion, but we hope that from this you guys take away something where you're like, or even it gets you thinking like, oh my gosh, I'm a really good writer, or... Mm-hmm. Shoot, I make some really good monkey bread. Because if you hear some people's story, I don't know why I'm stuck on monkey bread, but if you hear, I um, recently did like a that foodie, Detroit foodie thing. Um, the guy who makes this mix with chocolate. Chunk you know, Yes. Brad. Yeah. He's awesome. I'm like, he li- Shout out to Brad from <laughs> yeah. Chunk Nibbles. They are very supportive <laughs> and they're awesome seriously. people. If yes. you read their story, you're like, oh my gosh, what? Like, And he has an extremely successful business. So the things that you think are just random things that are actually can be full-blown businesses. Like, yeah. it's insane you're making 800 hummus. 68. That's like a lot of hummus. So much That's hummus. a lot of hummus. It yeah. is a lot of hummus. <laughs> it's a lot of beans. And we do it all fresh. That's the hard part. That's, but your little breads are so good, too. Those are so good. They are nice. Um, 
They are nice. Yeah. Not, well, next time we'll have to. Yeah. Yes, yes. Next time you're going to bring so us. so good. I promise. Um, I will bring you a full yeah. platter. Oh, so, so good. Fresh hummus. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, so stay tuned for the next episode, kind of bringing you like so many different things here, but this is kind of the start to it, what you can expect, just sharing people's journey along the way, maybe giving tips, different things like that. But thank you for listening. Make sure you guys subscribe or you will not get to listen to this awesome content and review us. And thanks for following along. Awesome. Bye. Bye.